Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. everybody episode number 62 the message board geniuses podcast this is who's i got casey joy mbg it's super bowl week so it's our last weekend of football for a while pretty excited myself are y'all planning on watching the game oh yeah absolutely for sure i'll probably sneak a peek here and there see what's happening in between commercials and who's singing the national or who's doing the halftime show Ursher. Usher. So a lot of old white guys can yep. complain about uh, the halftime show this year for sure. Can't it's wait. Well, it's every year, right? Which, yeah, it doesn't matter. I wonder if they'll complain more about Usher or Taylor Swift. They've complained more about Taylor Swift first. You think yeah, Taylor Swift like, will come down and play like a duet with them? Because you know they always bring people with them. No, she will not. All right. Good talk. Yeah. <laughs> Usher's got to be like in his 40s now, so I don't know why, but I just have a feeling that old white guys will be upset that it's not like Journey or Leonard Skinner or somebody uh, playing the halftime. Well, people we were not very year. happy with the poll you put up, MBG, when you were offering up your, not suggestions, but possibilities of other halftime acts. Yeah, what did you guys think of that? Which So I think my choices were, I don't know why I came up with these choices. I think I just heard a Spin Doctor song and thought, oh, man. They should get the spin doctors at halftime. So I had spin doctors. Joy, you're not even going to know who these people are. Yeah, I was going to say, I've already lost. Oh, Jimmy Olsen's Blues? Oh, man, that song slaps. <laughs> Counting Crows? I think yeah. I had... Oh, Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls. And... Everclear. Everclear. I also had considered Len or Semisonic. <laughs> so I, it for you? I, I wish this was a video make... medium just for Joy's face. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to face. make fun of those four choices in BG, and then I realized I've actually seen two of them live, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just Wait, which a, two? Which two? A basic white middle aged dude. <laughs> I've seen Counting Crows and Spin Doctors both live. Middle aged? Is that what we're calling you now, Who's? <laughs> I mean, if it's worse than that, I don't want to know. <laughs> Uh, ironically enough i've seen both of those as well but that counting crows and live concert they both they played together the band live was one of the best concerts i've ever seen yeah they put on a good show it was a small venue here in baltimore we saw them like god 20 years ago probably yeah adam duritz just whining the whole time (laughs) that's what my kids say so my wife plays counting crows sometimes and every time she puts them on my daughter is like, is that the guy who whines? I'm like, yes, that, that is 100% him. Well, have him listen to The Cure, and that will solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Joy, you know The Cure? Yes. Hey, Joy. Oh, there you go. That's even older, right? That's, that's I'm like not that young. Y'all treat me like I'm 12, which is why people that discuss our podcast think I'm a teenager. <laughs> There's child labor laws. We are legal. 100%. But I am excited for Usher. I'm excited for the game. I think it'll be a good game. Oh, Me yeah, too. the game. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I can't I think show it's right for. As much as I wanted the Ravens to win, I, th- I think this is the best possible game we could get, I think, all things considered. 
I for some reason can't ever root against the Chiefs. There's something about the Chiefs that are that's somewhat likable. I don't know if it's my own. You're a Broncos fan. Any, How do you really? Do that I know that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't. Oh, know so if it's I've, just... I've heard the Chiefs be described a lot of ways. Likable is not one of them. Really? Yeah. No. Most people can't stand Mahomes. I, that's crazy to me. I think they're just overexposed because he wins so much. But like, he's so a, if you saw that quarterback show on Netflix, like he. He's likable as hell, I think. I think okay. he is too. Yeah. But I do like Brock Purdy. I'm kind of rooting for him. Can't decide if I, I want the team that knocked my guys out to win because that will make me think, well, Baltimore could have won, or if I want to root against them. So I'm, I think I'm going to have to wait till the game starts to figure out who I'm rooting for. Yeah, I tend to do that. Like whoever goes down first, I tend to root, start rooting for because I want a decent game, especially yeah. when it's two teams I could care less about, which is what this game is. But I'm going to sit and watch it. Because that's what we do, by God. <laughs> All right, you guys want to give a prediction? Who you think's going to win? Hell yeah, I'll forget it tomorrow. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you'll just give a different one later in the podcast. We're just taking a team. We're not giving a score prediction. Yeah, just a team. Okay. I think the Chiefs will win it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I'm going San Francisco just to be different. Yeah, I was going to go San Francisco. So right side will go San Francisco. Damn, Joy usually wins these. So. Yeah. All right. See what <laughs> All right. We transition to our mailbag question. This week's question comes to us from a friend of the podcast and one of my idiot college friends, Andy A, who asks, "What is the worst stomach punch loss you've ever experienced?" I had a lot to choose from here. So, Casey, probably don't have a lot in football. <sighs> This one hits me right in the feels, Andrew. I'm sure you have a nickname of some sort, but outside of Dr. D. Gen or White Lightning or, or Mad Pooper or whatever, or whatever these names are. White Lightning, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of calling you by that nickname because, quite frankly, I'm not sure which one you are. Otherwise, I would proudly call you by your idiot moniker, as who says. Okay, <laughs> gut punch. There's a lot of these for as a Clemson fan, so it was hard to pick just one. But I think for me personally, the most gut-wrenching gut punch of a game was actually all the way back in 2007. Football versus Boston College. Matt Ryan came to Death Valley with the winner of the game going to the ACC championship game. And Clemson was up by a bunch, but never could put Matty Ice and the Eagles away to the point where BC actually took a lead with 146 left in the game. Clemson managed to drive and had a chance on a, a third and something play. Uh, quarterback Cullen Harper lofted a beautiful pass to our most sure-handed receiver, Aaron Kelly, and the ball just literally slipped through his hands at about the four-yard line. And it inevitably, fourth down failed, and Clemson lost its first chance at an ACC championship game And who knows how long. BC went on to lose to Virginia Tech, and at the time I thought that was the pinnacle uh, of a Clemson football season, and so that was a huge gut punch. There was also being in the winner's bracket in Omaha and only having to win one of two games to South Carolina in 2010, that one hurts as well. South Carolina Ooh. ended up winning the College World Series that year and the next year, and I hate them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one's tough. <laughs> That's a rough beat. That's one I remember exactly where I was. I, I remember where I was for both of those games, but they were both Yeah, tough. it's funny how that sticks in the long-term memory, right? I remember the losses way more better than I remember. I went and uh, played golf with my dad because I knew they were going to, they had two chances to beat them. So I was like, I'm going to go play golf for the game one. We'll be fine. And I'll come back for the final later. Well, that worked out well. Real well. 
All right, Joy, what do you have? I don't know if any gut, anything will ever hurt me as much as losing the 2011 BCS National Championship when we did not get past the 50-yard line. That just, like, absolutely crushed my spirit and set the tone for LSU football for quite some time after that. But I will say that the one that I probably – I remember that one vividly, but the second one that I remember the most vividly is actually an LSU basketball game. It was February 10th, 2015. LSU was unranked, and they had number one Kentucky coming into the PMAC. And I think they were on like a five-game winning streak at the time but had not started SEC play and were starting SEC play with Kentucky. And we lined up outside the PMAC, and we got in there super early, and – we played so well with Kentucky the entire game. We ended up losing by two, and I became an internet meme before memes were cool of me with a towel over my head um, <laughs> after we had lost nice. by two. And the problem with that one was it was like a gut punch every day for the next two weeks because every time someone saw me, they were like, you're the girl that uh, put a towel on her head when you're you all So I'll never live that down for as long as I live. So that one is, is uh, really – deep in the memory there. All right, MBG. Well, I'm going to go way back. I know you guys all remember this one. The 2004 <laughs> Big West Men's Basketball Championship game in Anaheim, California at the Anaheim Convention Center. I drove all the way out there. At the time, Utah State was 25-2. and two. They were ranked 19th in the country. They were playing against University of Pacific. Back then, the Mount, the Big West had University of Pacific, Long Beach State, UC Irvine, Santa Barbara, Reno, a bunch of those teams out there. Utah State was ranked 19th, 25-2. It seemed like they were going to get in the NCAA tournament, win or lose. They were heavy favorites. Anyways, they go in and get uh, beat by Pacific in the final seconds of that game. So they're 25-3. and They're still end up ranked in the 20th. But on my drive home, I'm listening to the selection show just to hear where I need to buy plane tickets to go watch them in the first round. And their name never gets called. And they get snubbed. 25 and 3, ranked in the top 20. Um, and that loss uh, put them out of the championship. It was a double wow. gut punch, that loss. It was a tough one. Um, one of the best teams in Utah State history doesn't make the tournament. So that was a tough one. Especially yeah. uh, the long drive home was was pretty tough. <laughs> All right, so I've I've talked about the 1990 UVA Georgia Tech football game a bunch of times. I'm pretty sure that's when we were ranked number one. Ended up losing it to Georgia Tech. I thought I'd talk about basketball. Believe it or not, the biggest gut punch <laughs> game game was not UMBC in 2018. Not even close. <laughs> uh, in 2016, we had a loaded roster led by Malcolm Brogdon, Anthony Gill. Uh, we made it to the Elite Eight with relative ease. I think our closest game was eight points getting to the Elite Eight. And we caught a break because number 10 seed, Syracuse, was our opponent in the Elite Eight. At that point, Tony Bennett had never lost to Syracuse before, and they were on a great run, but they weren't that good. So I was like, oh, we're going to our first Final Four in over 30 years. We are up 15, I think, at halftime. We're up 16 at one point in the second half, and the wheels came off so damn fast. They switched out of their 2-3 and started pressuring us a little bit, and we just fell apart. They went on a 25-4 to run, and so that 16-point lead disappeared, I think, in like five minutes. While I was texting with a friend-slash-client of mine, 
who is a huge Syracuse fan, he's like texting me congratulations. And, you know, our texts go from, you know, kind of lightheartedly talking to me just refusing to respond to him. He listens to the podcast, by the way, so he'll remember <laughs> that I just stopped responding by the end of the game. So that, that one was awful. And then, you know, obviously two years later, we lost to UMBC, but then everything came full circle after that. The funny thing to me is other than that game, Bennett is 13-2, and two, I think, against Syracuse. So it just makes it a little bit of a double whammy because we always handled them. And for whatever reason, that game, we just fell apart. I think it was Richardson. Was that the guy's name on Syracuse back then? He had like 21 points in the second half. Just absolutely blew us. Malachi Richardson? That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, he just tore us up in the second half. So, yeah, most UVA fans would say that game was much worse than the UMBC game. Ooh, yeah, that's bad then. And yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, both times we were number one seed, so you know, it's uh, neither one of them was pretty. All right, that brings us to our next segment: Genius of the Week. As always, each of us is going to nominate player, coach, team, conference, someone who did something particularly dumb in the last week. We'll put it to a vote and see who wins. For our last vote, Joy's nominee Keishon Butte won with forty-one percent of the vote. Followed by my nominee, Jeff Goodman, with 33%. Casey's nominee, Zay Flowers, came in third with 23%. And MBG's nominee, Michael DaCosta, came in fourth with 3%. He was the Winnie the Pooh guy, right, MBG? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> the one just for that phrase alone. <laughs> that, was that, one, that, that comment just absolutely killed me. <laughs> All right, so I'm in the lead with 22 wins. Joy now has 13. Casey has 10. Courtney has won. MBG is still stuck on zero. MBG is now 0-46. Got another good one this week. For reference, in September of 2018, the Kansas Jayhawks knocked off UTEP 31-7 to snap a nine-year FBS record 46-game road losing streak. The Jayhawks had four coaches during that streak, including MBG podcast luminaries Mark Mangino and Charlie Weiss. Neither one of them... I guess Weiss never won a road game the whole time he was there. I think it was the last year of Mangino's tenure. And then the Turner Gill was there somewhere. And then Ooh, one yeah. other dude who I don't remember. But, yeah, that was a solid pull this week. So, once again, MBG, you're in fine company. Yep. With Charlie Weiss and Mark Mangino. <laughs> yeah, the finest of company. Three peas in a pod, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey, who do you have this week? This week, my genius of the week is personal. It's Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish. Apparently, that goes by Darius Rucker to his friends and family, if he even has those two things. But uh, TMZ reported that the Wagon Wheel singer was actually in possession of illegal substances nearly a year ago on February 19, 2023, and finally turned himself in last week. According to the arrest affidavit, don't know what that means, obtained by the outlet, Franklin, Tennessee officers pulled over a rucker who's 57. Can you believe that guy's that old? God, he's old, ancient. Over the last February, (laughs) after noticing his car had expired tags, officer claimed they smelled weed coming from his vehicle, although rucker reportedly replied no liar when asked if he had smoked that night he did however allegedly admit that he may have smoked in his car the day before oh uh, yeah cops searched the car and found what they suspected to be a thc pen along with 14 unmarked purple pills not blue pills which the hoodie and the blowfish front man allegedly claimed were given to him by his girlfriend summer so for being a moron lying to police 
throwing his girlfriend under the bus, and being South Carolina's most favorite son, Mr. Blowfish is my genius of the week. <laughs> Mr. Blowfish. This, ha- this happened last year. Yeah, but he just got arrested last yeah. week. I'm just kidding, Casey. Calm down. I used to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's so many better ones, so but because, because of the South Carolina connection, that's why I went with him, okay. literally. Well, I appreciated it because you just. Earlier, who's referred to himself as middle age, and then you just decided that who's fifty seven is ancient. So by design. <laughs> so I know I've told you guys a story about getting thrown out of a party at Darius Rucker's house mm-hmm. back in the day. <laughs> the the short story is: so my wife was going. We were going down for this like reunion. I think it was nineteen ninety six, and she was telling me that she was friends with those guys in college. And I, I was, was like, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whatever. Like I was giving her a hard time. So we're in this bar that the band rented out and I see uh, Mark Bryan. And I think it was like the bass player, the guitar player. I can't remember which one. They're all walking in the bar and my wife is standing up near the front. She's my girlfriend then. And I see him walk over and just high five her. And I was like, oh, and then she saw me looking and just turned around and gave me the finger, which is awesome. Um, (laughs) So then there was an after party at Darius Rucker's house and everybody was going back to the hotel except for me and the boyfriend of one of my wife's friends. So he and I went over there. It's like four in the morning. His house is like the ridiculous bachelor pad. And the party is just dumb. Like it's so much fun. And we were getting ready to leave. I'm like, we were like, you know what? We've, we've got to like make this memorable because this is never going to happen again. And we've been talking to their manager. And so we asked him to throw us out of the party. And so the guy just made this huge production is like screaming obscenities at us, like saying he's going to call the cops and like kicks us out and this whole thing. So that's, that's like my one brush with fame there. I liked Hootie. <laughs> I, I was a big fan of him. He was an awesome guy. Yeah. He was super cool. Let's stop talking about him like he's dead. He's still alive, guys. Yeah, Poor guy. yeah I'm sure he is still cool. Y'all sound like Alabama fans when Nick retired. All right, Key Hootie. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Joy, being who, cut. Joy, who, uh, we'll see uh, who do you have this week? This week, my genius of the week is Johnny Broom, who is a basketball player from Auburn. Um, they were playing Ole Miss, and Morgan Freeman was in attendance at the game. Johnny went to hit a shot and then kind of fell back into like that front row of the crowd, which you know what happens, and – Morgan Freeman kind of put his hand out to like steady him to keep him standing up and grabbed him a little bit, I think, to kind of get his attention. And he, Johnny Broom, did not realize who it was. And he turned around ready to swing aggressively at the person that was grabbing him, only to realize that it was Morgan Freeman, um, the legend himself. So he quickly apologized, ran off, and then ran back and shook his hand and gave him a hug and introduced himself and was more polite. But it was absolutely hilarious to watch him almost swing and knock out Morgan Freeman at a game. That would have been quite the entertainment. But for that, Johnny Broom is my genius of the week. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Don't want to swing on God, right? That's he definitely swiped it. his hand off. Like before, yeah, he did. I mean, he did grab him though, right? He grabbed his jersey a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah, he did. But I think he was like kind of trying to get his attention. Yeah. And then that it was just not the moment to do it. I, I think if it was a regular fan, I would have been pissed they grabbed him, but it was Morgan Freeman, so right. whatever. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, exactly. He wants. All right, MBGs, this week? Well, th- this one really should be. There's no way that I, I do not win this week. There's just absolutely no way. I like the confidence. So I'm going to go with my guy, Darren Malinsky. You know, I, he moved down to Lady Lake, Florida. I kind of lost touch with him ever mm-hmm. since he moved down to Florida. 
but apparently he'd been in the hospital. So I was a little bit concerned about him. Um, but so he had been at the hospital there and it says here that he, he had been discharged from the hospital, but he was still out wearing his gown for some reason in the hospital. Mm. When he was standing at the entrance at about 6.30 a.m. Saturday, you know, according to an arrest report from the Sumter County Sheriff's Office, he lifted his gown showing his penis and testicles and was asking passerbys to, quote, unquote, check his balls. He was seeking <laughs> opinions. He was seeking opinions as to whether they appeared to be swollen. A woman who was visiting the hospital was among those whom Malinsky exposed himself, according to the report. Some of the witnesses interviewed by deputies said Melis, Melisnki, who stands five foot seven uh, and weighs 230 pounds, was, mm -hmm. quote, jiggling his genitals when he lifted his gown. So for asking people to, quote, check his balls at the hospital. My guy, Darren Molinsky is my genius of the week. I have an issue. I have an issue there. Don't they always tell you, like, get a second opinion? That's all he was doing. <laughs> and a third and fourth and fifth. Right. I mean, like, yeah, more the better. I mean, then you have a larger sample size and you know exactly what you're looking at. Yeah, it appears as he wanted a general consensus as to whether they were general swollen or consensus. not. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, guy. you got to go still. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Joy, there's no genitals in my genius of the week. That makes Thank you, you so much. Better. There, there's no ball jiggling or juggling or whatever it was. Okay, um, so my genius, of, <laughs> my genius of the week is the uh, college basketball net ranking. This is just a personal rant. I, I had trouble this week. There weren't any great ones that stood out. So this is just an opportunity for me to get on my soapbox for a minute. So going into the last night's game against Miami, uh, UVA was 17 and five, second place in the ACC at eight and three. Despite that, we were ranked number 42 in the net. And Joe Lunardi had us as one of his last four teams in the tournament. So literally like somehow on the bubble, despite again, being second in the ACC. Contrast that with the big 12, where seemingly the entire league is in the top 36 of the net. Uh, according to the most annoying UVA account on Twitter, so I found this tweet by this guy, and I would name him and give him credit, but he's the only UVA account I have muted. So I'm not going to say who it is. This includes, in the top 36, BYU, Iowa State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU, whose average non-conference strength of schedule is 292, those schools have gone a collective 57 and 0 in quad four games, but are one in 10 in out of conference quad one games. In short, the net is dumb, gets relied on way too much, and it's annoying the crap out of me because I think Clemson and UVA should be in. So, for being a useless metric and making me agree with the only UVA Twitter account I have muted, the net is my genius of the week. The, the, I, the net, too, is you, the, there's, if you ask the person that owns the algorithm they don't know how it's worked out well the problem with it is is you get they they factor in margin of victory so what these big 12 yep. teams have done like byu for example they beat these quad four teams by 35 points and they're inflating the net i mean yep. i like it because it's got utah state ranked probably higher than they they should be so it's working our benefit but for the same same reason almost is that you're not in you're not giving teams incentive to play other good teams you're giving incentive to play bad teams and beat them as badly as you can and that seems Which is to funny be, because that 
because the schedule wasn't favorable for Clemson last year when they finished in the top four in the ACC, they don't get in because of the net. So yep. then they schedule tougher this year, and now they may not get in because of <laughs> the yeah, There's no reason to schedule tough. Yeah, you're better off scheduling cupcakes. Like, and what's crazy is, so we beat Miami by 22 last night and went up 10 spots. But before that, I mean, it's our seventh win in a row. We went up more for that game yesterday than we had gone up, I think, in total for the previous six wins combined because a lot of those games were close. I mean, just the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. And including one of those games against Clemson, who's a good team. Yeah, so the whole that whole thing is broken. But listen, Big 12 teams have figured out how to game the system, so good on them, I guess. Yeah, best strategy is just schedule a terrible team on a neutral court, beat them by 40 points, um, Yep. go to the tournament. The Gonzaga way. <laughs> Gonzaga a typically plays a tough schedule. I'll yeah, give Gonzaga yeah. that. Other than the conference schedule is a little weak, but um, that's not their fault. Doing a lot of old man ranting today, so I figure I'll just try and get it all out in one show. But. <laughs> I like what MBG said. It's not their fault that they're in conference ranking is bad. We should keep that same energy when football season comes back around. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been hearing it about Clemson for years. All right, before we move on to our next segment, I want to give a quick shout-out to CFB Home for sponsoring the MBG podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB Home and online at fifthquarter.net. Also, we're doing a couple of cross-promotions with other podcasts again this week. The first is with the Sickos Committee podcast. They had a new episode drop today titled, I Got Heinz Ketchup in My Swag Bag. The episode includes classic Sickos content, such as the college football coaching carousel, a short track speed skating hack, Jim Harbaugh's RV living, and a spirited condiment debate. We're also doing a cross-promotion with the Slander U podcast. They had a new episode drop last week titled Random Thoughts with Slander U, in which they discussed Alabama fans' emotional roller coaster, the impact of the transfer portal, changing landscape of college football, and much more. We love both those shows, so check them out. Okay, y'all, we have another great guest lined up for you this week. This week's guest is one of the best college sports writers and talking heads around. He's a publisher of Extra Points, a newsletter that covers off-the-field stories in college athletics and has over 18,000 subscribers. Welcome to the show, Matt Brown. Hey, thanks hey. for having me. It's a pleasure hey, welcome, to be here. Welcome, Matt. Happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for coming. So, Matt, before we get to the post, we usually kick things off by going around the horn and having each of us ask you a question and just let you cook. Does that work? <laughs> sure. I'll do my best. All right. <laughs> So Casey's up first. I, I warn all of our guests, just strap in because his questions uh, tend to meander. Okay. That's a good way to put it, Matt. It's about time we had someone on this show that could talk about the ins and outs of what it's like to be a college football student athlete rather than these other people who are constantly berating me about this transfer portal thing. And as a Clemson fan and alum, I have no idea what that means. So then I look dumb er. But thank you for coming on with us. I, I'm I'm just about to order your book called What If. I just found it today in doing research. Oh. I know it came out in 2017. A closer look at college football's great questions, which I'm excited to receive because I love questions, as you can probably tell already. Or maybe I just like hearing myself talk. It's up for debate. All right. So formerly of SB Nation, went to Ohio State, now doing your thing at Extra Points, which is a really cool newsletter that is just so smart and informative. You've been on podcasts everywhere, and you're truly – are an interesting listen and read, and I highly recommend our listeners to do so. You even discussed D2, D3, NAIA. Your newsletter today was discussing Dartmouth basketball unionizing, and they stink, which brings me to my question, finally. Have you ever been to Sterling, Kansas, and who's your favorite Sterling College Warrior football player of all time? Mine's Vinny Hater. 
Uh, you know, I it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be upfront here with the audience. I, I normally pride myself in being able to pull out some kind of Division Two or Division Three information. <laughs> did I stump of, you? You you did, my friend. I've been to Kansas City. I have not been to any uh, non and non NCAA institution in the great state of Kansas. I have not been. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm unaware of anybody that's there. I couldn't tell you what conference they're in. I couldn't tell you who they've played. Oh man, you, you, you got me. You know, I didn't mean to stump you. That wasn't no. my point. But I no. went to a game years ago, about five years ago, in Sterling, Kansas. How do you get there? I have no idea. <laughs> But I was yeah, there. I mean, who do they even play, right? Is it other? I assume there's just other like 2,000 student Bible colleges within Kansas and Oklahoma. <laughs> That's, what it is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. And all their kids come from northern Texas and Oklahoma and play. Yeah, no scholarships, but it's it's a lot of fun. It reminded me of Varsity Blues, but on the college level where they roll up their sidewalks and it's a little sleepy town yeah. with whippoorwills flying through the town. But this is not about me. It's about you. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm in the process right now of trying to set my travel schedule for for twenty for 2024, and I can't promise that non NCAA Bible colleges in Kansas are going to be on the list. But if I happen to be getting on I-70 driving west, and one happens to be on the way, I mean, who could who could say? Let me know. I might sure. meet you out there. I don't remember how I got there, but I'll meet you out there. Sure. How hard could it be? We all got GPS. <laughs> <laughs> the Casey show. <laughs> and the one person that always brings it actually back to college football is me. So Matt, uh, my question for you is last week we had someone or we had a, we read a post of someone that said Ryan Day had all the capabilities of being the next Nick Saban after he got a few players out of the Transformers <laughs> portal, specifically like Judkins from Ole Miss. Things of that nature. He bas- They basically said that Ohio State was the next Alabama and that Ryan Day was the next Saban. So I just wanted to know if if you, as an Ohio- as familiar with the Ohio State program, actually think that that's capable of being reality. I mean, the, the serious answer is, is no. But it, it, it's, it's, it's so funny because I feel like Ryan Day is like built in a lab to drive not just Ohio State fans completely crazy, but then I think everybody else in the college football internet crazy from looking at Ohio State and thinking like, what the hell are you angry about? Because you, you look at the guy objectively and his winning percentage over four years is insane. Ohio State's gone to the playoff. Ohio State's recruited at a top five level. Their, their total talent portal and otherwise is, um, you know, in top three and the four in the country. And they've destroyed everybody except for Michigan, except for uh, a handful of, of, you know, except for Georgia in the playoff and except for Oregon in, in that one game and, and everything else. And it's not, it's not just that he's lost to Michigan a couple of times in a row that breaks Ohio state's brains, but it's happened just like John Cooper used to do it where you have the allegedly more talented team. And then you just get out man balled. You know, it's one thing to lose to uh, an SEC team or an Alabama team that's got first-round draft picks everywhere up and down the field. But if you lose because somebody out Woody hazed you and just physically dominated you and ran fullback dive on your butt, like that distru- that, that provokes a full-on identity crisis from Ashtabula to, to Cincinnati. And that that's why – I mean, I've even tweeted this. Like, here I am, serious professional, like, you know, impartial fan. I mean, impartial you know, reporter and everything. I watch this. I'm like, this man's John Cooper with a beard. 
And and I, the, the second Ohio State fails to cover the spread in like the first five weeks of the season with this roster, you were gonna see some some real takes on Bucknuts or Eleven Warriors. Like and, and and if you're not an Ohio State person, you can look at this and think this is like this is this is these are like Q people. They're completely divorced from reality, but that's just how it is when it's when it's your own fandom. Yeah, we've spent so much time on this show talking about Ryan Day and Ohio State fans wanting to fire Ryan Day. But it seems like in the last few weeks, the attitude towards Day has completely changed with Harbaugh leaving and him getting all these transfer portal uh, guys to come in. It seems like all has been forgotten, at least for now. A little bit. I mean, there's been a lot of changes of, uh, with assistant coaches, too. Uh, you know, Correct. Ohio State had a special teams coordinator and a quarterbacks coach who probably shouldn't have been there. Um, and the, the, the NIL commitment from that fan base has changed significantly. I, 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 this is more of my beat, but I, I'm pretty comfortable saying Ohio state was not paying top dollar last recruiting cycle. And that's generally the case for nationally elite programs. Georgia and Alabama certainly were not either under Kirby or Nick Saban. That's changing now. Um, and, and we'll see what that ends up uh, doing to their roster management, I think, uh, from this year moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, too, because talent's never really been the issue at Ohio State, has it? I mean, you, like you uh, said, no. they've always been top five talent. So um, it's just funny seeing them all get disinvested again. I'm, I, mean, I think the Michigan game is going to be different this year. But, God, if they lose to Michigan for the fourth time in a row. <laughs> that's, no, it, that, that, I mean, that, that literally is it. Like, it doesn't matter if they go 11-2 and two again. If they win a playoff game, there's no major out-of-conference opponent. You're going to play Oregon uh, at Austin, who should be maybe may your, your other uh, the other class of the Big Ten, which is a really weird thing to say. Right. But if you don't beat Michigan, that's it. Like it, it, it doesn't matter whether you make the quarterfinals or the semifinals here. Like you won't be able to have the credibility with your fan base to raise eleven million dollars, and then that's when you go take the Bears' job. You know, the, the other thing that's kind of weird about him, right, is like Day is not an Ohio guy, which is historically oh, that comes been, up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Spiritually and like by, you know, by place of birth, spent a lot of time in the NFL. That, you know, th- th- that is that it would not it would not blow me away if, if yeah. that's where things go in three years or something. Are you saying he's no never pressure. been to Myrtle Beach? Uh, Hilton Head, I think, is is the is the actual like spawning grounds for people. That's with where I am. Yeah, very, ironically yeah. enough, man. I, but yeah, the last time I was there, I mean, you could see the go back to Ohio bumper stickers, right? Like, it's, it's, there's and as, even to- as a Jersey guy, you know, we're usually the ones that everyone wants to get out, but it's it's funny yeah. to be on the other side. That's, that's how they're, they're like they're like locusts. They're like locusts <laughs> with like goatees. That's 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 the the Ohio <laughs> diaspora. Yeah. All right, Matt, so I'm going to change gears a little bit. There's been uh, months of chatter about the EA Sports college football game. I know you've been following things closely. Uh, For for anyone who doesn't follow you on Twitter, which I recommend that everyone do, um, can you tell us what the latest news is on the status of the game? Yeah, this is is, – unexpectedly become a major part of my beat. Uh, I, I didn't start, I didn't like seek out to become a video games reporter, but filing open records requests about totally different things got me information about this game. And then I, that led to more and more event relationships at EA and a CLC and some of these other companies. And so I've written about this a lot. If the game is going to come out this summer, um, specifically going to come out in July. That's what EA has been telling schools. That's been the conversation internally. I can't confirm a specific date. I imagine they'll release a date once we get a little bit closer. Uh, People on on EA's both 
uh, communications team and developers that I've spoken to have said, and they've been pretty consistent about telling me this since, since December. The plan is to share more information directly from the company with the public, you know, late Q1, early Q2. So that's late February, early March, which is typically the you know, when, when they've done it historically. The games usually come out in July. They've usually shared things about cover athletes and feature sets and behind the scenes around this time. I know that that makes a certain segment of the Internet lose their minds because they're, they're expecting <laughs> – more information and like brother i don't work for ea like I, if i if i did i would i would tell you right i i can't i can't say that the, whether that's a good strategy or a bad strategy the only thing that i can i'm comfortable like talking about on the air at this point that like i have receipts for is uh, knowing what schools themselves are sending to ea and what ea is, is asking them to depict in the game and a major priority for the game project this year has been to make the game day experience and pageantry as realistic as possible to make it very clear that this is different IP from the Madden franchise. That college football is different from professional football. It's not just different because of the of playbooks and, and different rules, but because of the rivalries, because of the 150 years of history within the uniforms, because of all of the different audio uh, sounds, not just marching bands, but sound effects between uh, after third downs and what's being played from the PA oh, wow. system between the third and the fourth quarters. And how are people coming in from the tunnel? And what is the, the, the non R rated student chant that we can put in this game, right? Like <laughs> you're not going to hear LSU's student section and neck. Dang it. <laughs> now, wait, now, now I say that I do have record that multiple schools did submit neck. You're not going to hear anything about, um, you know, uh, tiger appendages. I I, I feel I go. feel pretty comfortable you know, talking about that. But other other schools made you know submitted that audio. Um, that's the kind of stuff I'm I, I'm comfortable talking about. You know, because we have the chapter and verse and receipts. And I wish I could tell people that I know in my heart the game's going to be really good. I haven't played it. I understand why people are skeptical of electronic arts. Like I've played games from EA that are great. Played games from EA that definitely weren't. I do feel comfortable saying attaching my name to this. It's not Madden. It's a different game that will be good or bad on its own merits. Does that help? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, people are anticipating that game so much that yeah, people lose their minds every time you drop something on Twitter about it. So no, and, 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 and I'll tell you, it's, it's been this weird thing for me because I've been, I've been a professor. I've been a working sports writer for a, a while now. Um, and I, I felt like I've become more accustomed to writing for the audiences that you guys talk about in message boards, right? Like I know and understand college football crazy, even though I mostly am writing for like administrators and other reporters. I was not prepared for the toxicity of video game internet, which is a different world than college football internet, which is already pretty toxic and stupid. Video game internet is a whole different ball game. And like, I had to change how I write change how I communicate. Like, oh, I can't be as like open and conversational with you guys. Cause you're like, <laughs> look at my address. Right. Like you're, you, this is, yeah, this is IP addresses and, yeah. and then figure out where you live. Yeah, the kind of crap. diagram of college football fans and video game enthusiasts is uh that's a rough one. <laughs> They're not following tail numbers. They're following IP addresses. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'll be anxious to have once again, have some 12 year olds swearing at me online for running the read option with Chucky e. Keaton. <laughs> all right so matt you are joining us on the message board geniuses podcast so we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about your experience as a message boarder and i will say that we have not had not one guest on our show admit to posting on a message board really 
Yeah, nobody admits well. Uh, yeah, nobody admits it except Chris Marler, but no one else Chris really Marler. admitted when I I know they were all lying. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll admit it. I'm, I'm absolutely I am. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, I won't apologize for that. So, to what to what extent do you refer or to the message boards in in your job or in your creation of content? Well, so the two things. I mean, like I I think I you know for. Several writers around my age, I think, kind of came into the Internet at a time when message board use was maybe a little bit more common. Right. Like as a high schooler, you know, like the three Ohio people who might be listening to this, like might remember I was a big J.J. Huddle guy, which is a huge message board about high school sports. And I would go you know, talk crap again with other stringers and, and <laughs> other and other people, you know, because in Ohio, that, that's that's a very big cultural thing. Um I was on message boards for things that had nothing to do with college athletics. I, I think I have several posts on a, a like a Civ Four message board somewhere, and, and you know <laughs> was kind of into the deep nerd stuff. And and uh, you know I, I, I'm not really a, a kind of Ohio State message board or a college football message board person. I'm on Twitter a lot, which is basically a giant message board, and I I, I read Reddit and will occasionally post there. But there's a couple of, of other boards that I, I can look at my site analytics and see like, oh, like you know, there's the conference realignment degenerate message board, or here's something from like Indiana State that's they're they're reading my stuff. Like a bunch of people are reading my stuff and talking about it. I might pop in and say hello, uh, but like that isn't a regular part of my media diet. Um, I will browse through a couple of them just to kind of see what people are talking about. But for my kind of beat, it's pretty rare that you're going to like find actual useful information being shared on those kind of things. Like Twitter is a, is a, what? And, and well, and it, this is the delightful thing <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> the delightful thing about the sport that nine times out of 10 fart doctor, 69, 420 is obviously cool crap. But that one time out of ten, that guy's a Supreme Court justice, or like the governor's staff, and he actually does have something. And the the dumb thing about my job, and the dumb thing about this beat, is that you got to check. And so, like, you could go through my phone, right? And like, if, uh, so, there's like literally sometimes what I'll do here, like, all right, I'm calling up the conference commissioner in the Missouri Valley, or I'm calling up the NEC. I'm like, hey, listen, it's probably not anything, right. but. I'm getting six DMs about this because some message board somewhere says that the NEC is going to add Gonzaga. It's not true, right? And you're like, no, it's not true. I'm like, okay, they, they pay me eight bucks to ask, so I'm going to ask. But every once in a while, one out of every ten times, there's there's a legitimate kernel of truth to it, and and that's and that, I think that's true in college sports in a way that's not true in the pros, because in some of these small towns or smaller institutions, somebody's uncle really is like the head donor for the Albany Great Danes. And you know they really might they really might have something, and like we we've seen that a couple of times. Yep, <laughs> we've seen it a few times. We saw someone predicted, or I shouldn't say predicted, but knew about Coach Saban's retirement uh, hours before it happened, and posted it on the message board. So we've seen Fat it. Tom, Fat yep. Tom twenty two or whatever it is from Auburn man. board, Carson. Yep, <laughs> yep. So we've seen it a few times. Blind, blind squirrels. I mean, I mean, for, I write a lot about like low, low major realignment, and, and uh, there are definitely times that it's not official. And I've heard some things, and I can hop onto a message board, and I can see that they've heard similar things. And like, you know, some of the, the people that might talk to me might also talk to them. Uh, and but generally, the higher up you go, 
the less likely that that's true, right? Like the people that I actually have firsthand sourced information about when, when Oregon was going to join the Big Ten, that's like six people and three of them were under like attorney-client privilege. When it's, you know, Hampton joining the CAA might be a slightly less sophisticated group where you might find a leak somewhere. And that's, <laughs> right. and that's not a pejorative. That's just like it's you're not dealing with a $200 million television contract. And right, so right, it might right. be a different kind of conversation. Well, on that note, we were going to share or get your reaction to some of the better message board posts of the week. All um, oh, right. The first group of these are from our friends at Tennessee, which they're typically very level-headed folks over there. <laughs> um, yeah, but many, many people say this. This is uh, they're really the, the, the NPR of the SEC <laughs> fan base. <laughs> <laughs> They've had a bit of a roller coaster of a week. I think it started with them getting news um, about an NCAA investigation to some NIL stuff that they were doing with Nico, the quarterback. And I think this news was actually broken. I don't know if it was broken by Pat Forty, but he was one of the first to kind of report it. And I think he's got a bad track record with the, NS with the Tennessee fans. So when mm -hmm. this came out, I'm going to read three different message board posts to you about some different reactions from Tennessee fans and tell sure. me which, which one is the most logical of these three. <laughs> That's a good lead. Up. And then we can, we can talk a little bit about some of the recent developments in this case that happened today, but this, these are some of the immediate reactions. So the first one is 40. It's entitled just 40 needs a country boy, butt whooping worst college football reporter. There is just trying to hurt Tennessee because he knows we're on a rocket ship to greatness right now. Hmm. Next guy says, this is, this is my personal favorite one. He says Saban retired and is behind all of this. He's still sour from the 2022 loss in Neyland and not getting another top Polynesian quarterback. And then finally there's this guy, Pice, who I like him because his avatar is just a mustard bottle. Uh, <laughs> and nice. he, he says that he called the NCAA office. He said he talked to their legislation and enforcement department. I called asking about the specific rules. He wouldn't answer and kept referring me to their website to look at their specific rules. I asked, do you not know the rules? His exact response was, we're trained not to memorize the specific rules because they change so often. What an absolute joke of an association. So we can either blame Pat Forty, we can blame Nick Saban, or we can blame the NCAA. Who's to blame here? Mm. You know, I, I, I do really appreciate Pice's mustard bottle avatar. <laughs> the story is difficult for me to believe. What? Just because, insofar, one, it says that he was able to call the NCAA on the phone. And real, real ones know. That if you try to call the listed number and get on that phone tree, they're going to be on hold for three and a half hours, man. Um, like, and, and, and they, they, they do this on purpose, and I, I would be surprised even if as dogged and determined as Tennessee fan base is to, to be on hold that long. Um, I, of course, people wouldn't know the, the rules by heart. Have you guys seen the, the NCAA bylaw handbook? It's like Robert's Rules of Order. It's like the U.S. <laughs> code. It's it's hundreds of pages. I, don't, I mean, compliance people go to law school and, and don't know all of these things. It does change a lot. Uh, but, uh, you know, not defending the NCAA. I'm going to say doubt uh, here for, for Mr. Pice. Uh -huh. Now, if we're, now, if you're asking me who is more likely to be a master of the universe secretly pulling the strings from behind the scenes, 
Pat Forty or Nick Saban? <laughs> well, one is the greatest college football coach in the history of the game, and, and one that, that probably has influenced gubernatorial elections and, and may very well be pulling the strings for he's the closest thing we have to the Illuminati. Uh, in the South, and the other is Pat Forty. So, yeah, I would I would say it's it's, it's entirely possible that Saban is, is is fueled by you know little Debbie snack cakes and and spite and, and pulling all this off. Sure, I believe it. I, I can't get out of my head that that a worker would memorize all of the rules. Like, no, we're intentionally told not to. The person answering the phone is 100% who you want to get the analysis from, too, right? People, I mean, people do forget this. In Indianapolis, basically, it's kind of you have to memorize the rules, and then you have to like you know eat eat the eat the rule book, and so mm -hmm, it's you know, mm -hmm. before it self destructs and everything, lest it fall in the hands of of a message board. That's yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's an elite crack force, crack team. Of <laughs> Well, and as you know, subsequent to that, Tennessee and Virginia, the attorneys general then uh, filed suit against the NCAA. And then um, I think they were seeking a TRO that was denied today. Yeah. And that prompted a, a short panic from Tennessee fans. There was one guy that said, F it, where's my mustard bottle? Um, <laughs> I thought he was going to say mustard gas. Like, you never, you never know. There's <laughs> a fine line. Fine line with those fans. Yeah, we can we can handle condiments. It's other stuff. <laughs> but they were quickly calmed down, I think, when they saw the judge's uh, language yeah. there in, in the ruling uh, to the TRO that said that they were more than likely to prevail on the merits of, of the case eventually. Um, so that calmed them down. Uh, do you have any further insight on this Tennessee NCAA? Issue? What, what, I, what I can say is, like, I, I actually I wrote on extra points on Monday. Uh, for our, our, our free readers, a more serious professional analysis of all of this. And, and you know, my, my, my take at the beginning of the week was, you know, the, the attorneys general may very well be right. This could violate antitrust laws, but I don't look at Tennessee as as a martyr or somebody that deserves pity or should be like celebrated for any of this, especially given that like it's not exactly state secret what Tennessee and then their, their collective were doing in 2022. They gave interviews about it. Uh, it wasn't subtle. Um, and, and if Tennessee people want to hold themselves up as, as the last bastions of valor and, 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 and of the free market, like whatever, like, go, you know, that, that, that's what folks on, on, on Gold Balls 247 want to do. But I don't have the right. I do not have in my limited reservoir of indignation any room to spare for poor, persecuted Tennessee, who is still on probation for the stuff they did under the last coach. Like, I don't have it in me. I'm sorry, guys. Which which I do find funny that I, I think even the president put this in their letter about how they self-reported on the last one. And they kind of leave out the fact that they kind of did that so they could get rid of Jeremy Pruitt. It wasn't completely out of pure nobility on their no, part. No, no, that's, no. That, that's, that's addressed in the... Um, <laughs> In, in the in the in the in the post for sure. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see how that lawsuit uh, develops. It certainly will have some ramifications across the board, I think. Um, yeah. But speaking though of fan bases uh, who are reasonable and rational, we'll move on to Michigan. And <laughs> Michigan, I think Michigan fans celebrated their national championship for about five minutes before they returned to uh, misery. And there was a as, post. As want. <laughs> so there was a post I thought was funny on the Michigan Insider. 
he says, what is Bo thinking from above? Which is a great title to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> above would certainly be a, one word you could use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people questioning <laughs> whether that would be the case. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm just saying that is, that is merely one of many directional words yeah. one could potentially use. So let's go ahead and analyze the post. Yeah. He, says, he says Bo is probably pissed off and ready to go to blows with Harbaugh and Ward Manuel. If Harbaugh loved Michigan half as much as Bo, he wouldn't have left and then raided the team on the way to California. Bo would probably tell him, good luck in California, don't come back. Harbaugh left the university, his elderly parents, and uprooted his family. Ward Manuel has mismanaged this at every turn, no doubt. The Harbaugh contract with the language he wanted should have been available immediately after the national championship game. Harbaugh should have been given 48 hours to sign it or he was fired. Yes, fired. That is not a typo. This would have allowed the team to hire the coach of their choice. How can they be so miserable right now? <laughs> you know, I, I don't. This, I'm not unique in this observation. I, I think this might have actually come from from John Bacon, who who speaks Michigan as well as anybody. I think <laughs> that you know, pointed to this fan base as one of the you know few that I think is not really happy unless they're unhappy. And if you've defined the Michigan experience over the last 25 years as being unhappy, you don't really know how to handle. The opposite of that, and now that the that you know you, you made the continuity higher, and then everybody in the program is left, it might be easier to kind of slide back into uh, the your, your more comfortable verbiage, which is being angry at the world. Um, I'm going to guess that this individual has not done a lot of hiring um, in their day jobs. <laughs> if not, if they have, you know, maybe that might be worth a little bit of googling around the Better Business Bureau. See, see, see what people think about. Uh, uh, about that, I, I think I, I, I'm happy to pull back the curtain here on the athletics industry here for your listeners. That is not generally how, how these hires work. We can, we can kind of leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, even today, there were quite a few people who were just upset with Jim Harbaugh, telling him to F off, take a long walk off a short pier, etc. cetera. Uh, they appear sure. to be to be done with Mr. Harbaugh for taking all their coaches. Um, yeah, and, and I, I can understand that. And the Michigan fan base frustration with their athletic director extends far beyond the Jim Harbaugh contract situation. But I mean, look, we've been doing this song and dance with Jim for the last four off seasons. He had to figure eventually he was going to do it. He just gave you a championship. Like, what more do you want? Right. It almost yep. feels like it's perfect. It's poetic. Yeah, I mean, did anyone expect I, him yeah. not to leave? You know what I mean? I just assumed he was gone once they won. So sure, especially because the NCAA wants to send him on a one-way ticket to Siberia. Right. right. So, yeah, every incentive I, to go. Right. I take the Los Angeles job for ten years, eleven billion dollars too. Like. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. We'll wrap it up here with one last post. Um, before I do that, you watch The Office, Matt. Oh, you know, I, I, I saw I, I saw this one. I, I'm aware of the thing that the the thing you're discussing. I haven't really watched the show since I was in high school. Um, it's it's kind of a cultural touchstone, I think, particularly among this this specific fan base. I think you're going to talk about, but I don't. I haven't really yeah. watched it much recently. Well, this this comes from Cougar Board. I don't know if you're familiar with Cougar Board. It's a BYU oh, board. No, I'm 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 unfortunately very familiar with Cougar Board. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think I'm the most popular guy in the world on, on that particular uh, website for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a Utah State fan, I probably wouldn't be either. Um, no, 
but so there's this poster Yukon. He starts to tell a story about apparently his wife's been bragging around her work. She works at an elementary school about her wonderful chicken noodle soup. Um, seems to be um, talking it up quite a bit. And so it kind of finally came a judgment day where she had to make the the chicken noodle soup for the school. And she was very nervous that it wasn't going to live up to all of the hype, which I guess prompted her to come up with an idea that maybe she just spill the soup on her way to school and then nobody actually could taste it, um, but they can all see that she made it, which prompted him to come up with a conspiracy theory about the office. Mm. And so I don't know if you haven't seen the office. No, I, 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 I am familiar with this scene. And look, even <laughs> if you haven't seen the show, if you've been an internet user for the last six months, yeah. you've seen the gift. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty standard issue, right? So his conspiracy theory is that Kevin, who um, had made this chili um, and had talked it up just like his wife had all this time, when he finally brought it to work, he spills it all over the floor. And he's starting to wonder if Kevin Malone did this on purpose. So I'll open this up to the floor. I'd never considered this. Um, One, do you think this is accurate? Two, um, is this a good strategy? (laughs) Self-sabotage. I'm imagining somebody do this at like a a church chili cook-off. And all I'm thinking of is like, Could you imagine getting it out of the carpet in a gym? You you would smell that for months, Uh, which means I'm sure somebody has done it. (laughs) (laughs) Which I read up about this scene, and apparently they had to do it in one take because they didn't have any extra carpet. When he spilled it, that was it. So they had to do this in one take. Yeah, you've got to be committed, right? But also it kind of begs the question, how much is she talking about her soup at work? <laughs> right, right. You, if you're talking about your chicken noodle soup so much that you're this, you know, stressed out about it, it's there may be some other issues going on here. It's at a school too, so is she telling her students that too? Yeah, this is the other thing I'm hung up on. Like, I, I actually, uh, you guys might not know this, I taught elementary school before I became uh, a sports writer, and if I, I went to make a Venn diagram of offices where you are most likely to have very refined palates and <laughs> elementary schools not a deep overlap here right and it's also like how good can chicken noodle soup be like right. the, the most amazing chicken noodle soup is still chicken noodle soup that's like listen i make uh, my recipe for tater tot casserole is 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 majestic like like i'm sure it is i'm sure it's a sacred family tradition but like even if it's you 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 maximize it it's a c plus thing like it's it's like having, making the it's like making the best um peanut butter and jelly sandwich or or, or chili dog it's, it's just that's fine i don't i don't know what's your best dish that you talk up matt that i that i talk up yeah um i make a pretty decent feijoada uh, my family's oh, all my, oh, what? my family's uh, my family's Brazilian. Feijoada uh-huh. is like it's it's kind of like a Brazilian chili. So you know it's it's a very meat heavy stew. You oh, have to yeah. have it with rice and orange slices. But my my, my my I don't do it a whole I don't cook a whole lot because my wife is an amazing cook, and so it's just more efficient for me to do the dishes and me to like <laughs> and, and and take care of the you do the the kid wrangling. Mm. She's an exquisite baker. Uh, which is why I am not as felt as I was maybe earlier in my life. It's 2024. It's a dad bod. It's that, that, that's that's you know what? That's it. I I I, I look. I'm 37. I'm. It's, I, I, you're not, I'm not going to have the same metabolism I had before. I'm like you know. 
just going to lean into it. I've got the physique of a man that enjoys eating six donuts and also maybe heavy weightlifting. Like that's, this is just what I look like now. Yeah. Uh, I've got some bad news for you. It does not get any better. Uh, I know. Can't wait. Can't wait. And everything hurts. Look at it. Casey and the me is like the progression of what you can expect over the next, you know, like 17 years, basically. I love, I love it. I, I, I love having, you know, bodies that deteriorate, never get old uh, folks, never get old, never, never, never gain a little bit of extra insulation. You know, you might lie to yourself and say you need that to survive the Midwestern winter. But, That's right. <laughs> Matt, last question before you leave us and, yeah. and tell us where you are. But um, being from Ohio, Skyline Chili, yay or nay? I will say nay under one specific circumstance. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning, it slaps. It's great. I don't I don't drink. I imagine it would be near the platonic ideal of drunk food, which is typically when I see skylines packed. I, I think a, a, a one quick point of order as as somebody who was born and raised in Ohio. Skyline chili is a product of Cincinnati. People forget this. Cincinnati is not actually part in Ohio, part of Ohio. What's on the map is is a lie. Cincinnati is part of Kentucky, or Cincinnati is part of a completely autonomous region. Um, we don't claim it. I grew up near Columbus. Like that's just, you know, that's greater Indiana. That's, that's not part of our world. <laughs> um, it does, I have to, it does look terrible though. Yeah. 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 It's like, like cin- cinnamon in your chili. It's just weird. It's just, it, it, it's just it, weird. It, 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 it look, it's weird. There's no beans. So it has the visual consistency of diarrhea. Right. Um, delicious. I know. I know. I know. Podcasting is a visual medium. Just trying to like paint that picture here in, in your brain. Well, and but you at two o'clock in the morning, I got a hot dog. Too. Yeah, buried <laughs> under a metric ton of of sliced, of, you know, shredded cheddar cheese. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. I appreciate it. It was great. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, tell, no, us, tell us where we can find you. Tell them everybody where we can find you. It's my pleasure. You probably wouldn't get this from listening to any of that last segment, but in real life, I am a serious professional reporter and write a lot about behind the scenes business stories with nuance and with actual like on the record quotes and try to like you know get into the nitty the nitty gritty of how this world works. And you can find that at extrapointsmv.com. By the time you're listening to this, we will also have the release of our computer game, Athletic Director Simulator 4000, which will be available uh, to all Extra Point subscribers. Excellent. Well, thanks again, awesome. Matt. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank thanks, you for Matt. joining us. Yeah, you bet. Thank, thanks for having me. This was this, this was fun. It was nice to talk about some stuff that's different from the uh, NCAA apocalypse beat, you know? <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this week's episode, the MBG Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can check out more content at messageboardgeniuses.com. And we'll see you next time, losers. Losers. <laughs>